everybody. Welcome back to the For Grieving Daughter podcast. This podcast is all things about healing, growing, evolving after life after grief. And so I am excited today to be having two special guests with me, um, Asia and Kira. And so this episode, I'm not going to lie, it's going to be heavy, but it's going to be fun because our personalities, we're very powerful women with powerful stories. And this episode is about motherhood and grief, a continuation of the conversation we had last time. So I want to start off by saying October is a heavy month. It is um, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. It is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. It is Depression Awareness Month. And it is Infant Awareness Month. Infant Loss Awareness Month. Um, And so... Our community specifically has probably been affected by every last one of those things that I have named. So I want to be intentional about just mentioning, giving honor um, to the women who navigate that space, whether you have experienced it or you have experienced a loss as a result to it. Um, And so I personally have been on this journey with Asia, I feel like, for a while, because as I grew and got closer to Christ and closer to my sisters in Christ and sharing my story, um, Asia held me accountable for a lot of things. And I will never forget her telling me, like, yeah, you can't grieve and heal. So pick. Mm. Um, And then Kira is just also my good sis. And I have seen her navigate grief and not the grief of her mom, but the grief of her son and grieving even a little bit of the repair part of the relationship with her mom and then turning it into purpose. And so not only will she share her story a little bit about um, her experience with motherhood and grief, but purpose. And then you will be able to support that, support her her book drive and support her organization and all the wonderful things she's doing in honor of our heaven baby. So... Ladies, (laughs) without further ado, I'm having a great day today as we're filming, so I might not tomorrow, but today is a good day. Um, (laughs) Asia, Mm -hmm. you became a mom 10 months ago. 11 months. 11 months. Almost Big Reese. Big Reese, not the little one. He's going to be one. He is going to be one. He is going to be one next week. And you are expecting again. Yes, I am. What a life. So Asia has, I've witnessed her go through major life transitions. And Asia is so graceful. You got married. You had a baby. You're having another baby. And what was it, three years ago, you've experienced the loss of your mom? Four. Four. So how has that journey been? (sighs) I say it, I literally say this all the time. Like, I feel like currently, like I'm spinning. (laughs) It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Because not just losing my mom four years ago, but it was like my mom, my grandma, um, and then my grandfather, and then it was COVID, and then it was like that. Then it was engagement, marriage, baby, like baby, back to back, baby, baby, <laughs> baby, baby, <laughs> baby times two. Um, so 
And you turned 30 in the midst of that, which and I feel I like 30. I feel like <laughs> turning 30 changes things. It does. Because I've been 35 months and I swear my life is 30. It's like I don't care about nothing. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't care. Um, but it's it's been a lot. It's been a lot to process. Um and it's funny because it's like there's seasons with it. Uh there's like, you know, there was like the blissful of mm-hmm. getting married and all that stuff. But then also navigating that without my mom. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, oh, I'm pregnant and I'm happy. And even though my mom's not here, I'm still really happy. Mm-hmm. But then having the baby and now yeah. realizing the realities of motherhood and now. Without a mom. Without mm-hmm. a mom. And mm-hmm. it's like, I'd never thought about this part mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's been real. It's been real. And you are now having a baby girl. Yes. Which I never wanted a girl. I still don't want a girl. <laughs> but originally, I didn't want a girl out of trauma. Mm-hmm. Because in my mind, it was a sick thing. Like, my mom's mom mom died. So my grandmother died mm-hmm. when she was 15. My mom died when I was 10. So I, in my head, it was mm-hmm. just like, if I have a little girl, I'm going to die. Like, yeah. you know, and then going through some other childhood traumas, I just felt like, give me a boy. Mm-hmm. But I realized that you could damage your boys, too. Yeah. And so I am on the journey of, I wouldn't say repair, but I'm in a journey of accountability of some mm-hmm. ways that I allow grief and just my own awareness to how I was showing up in motherhood, impacting him's journey. And now rewriting you know he's eight so having the ability to like get it right Right. but like on the last episode he's just like yeah the holidays is whack around here Mm -hmm. and i'm like oh okay (laughs) (laughs) but you get everything on that list he don't care right you don't make cookies with me Mm -hmm. like you don't you don't let us decorate the house Mm -hmm. like you don't you present because you're there for everything but you're on your phone or you're not engaged or you're falling asleep or you're and they they get older and you be like, well, God damn, what am right. I doing right? Right, right. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think it was because it's like you kind of get on autopilot in parenting. Mm-hmm. And you don't when you don't have a mom, I feel like you kind of go into survival. You have a husband and you have a fantastic mother-in-law, mm-hmm. but you don't have that like I feel like your mom, you could just drop it all at her to her feet. Right. Right. And that's that's the part where it's like I'm re-realizing that now being a mom mm-hmm. um because I I felt her absence when when she passed but I, I just kind of got through it and it was like I didn't really I don't say I didn't skip a beat but it was really like it became like I really was focused on my faith mm-hmm. at the time so it was like okay no I'm getting through this mm-hmm. because I had my faith to lean on and not that I don't have that now, but now I'm in a totally different mm-hmm. space. And I'm like, okay, so I'm a mom now. And you know what? Actually, it's funny. Well, not funny, but we make sick sick jokes about yeah, okay. this. <laughs> it's a little funny. <laughs> yeah. Um like, well, she just gonna leave me. Yeah, she did. So she did. That. And mm-hmm. it's like a few months ago, I was um it was like a week where my husband was picking up extra hours. Um I was sick. My baby was sick. Um, And everybody I would ask to watch him was unavailable. Mm -hmm. And I was like, like for the first time, I was like, wow, I need my mom mom right now. And I had never said that Mm -hmm. like since she had passed. And it hit me real hard. But 
it was like almost like a wake up call. Like, again, I always say like the fact that she's not here is always a reminder to me of my own purpose and mm-hmm. my own mm-hmm. time here. Like if she's not here, it's like, okay, let me just get back focused, mm-hmm. you know? So it's funny. Cause when I, I, my mom's death anniversary, which was the last time we shot this, um, I don't, I realize I don't have a concept of time. Right. Mm-hmm. So I went back to therapy because I just realized that, um, I needed to go back to therapy. And so shout out to my therapist. One day I'm gonna have her come. Not too soon though. Cause she reads me, but one day I'm gonna have her come. And so, um, I was, she's like, how was your week? And so I told her, and I had this perspective. I was so angry. Like, it was 20 years. And I feel like I'm normally, I I get through it in a way where I isolate or whatever. But it's, but I'm still, to your point, I have my faith. I know, like, okay, well, it happened for a reason and that type of thing. But I was so angry because it was like, you've been gone for 20 years. I'm 30. So you've been gone more time than I just really been really like kicking and living and independent and like, you know, all of those things. Right. It was something about that that put things in perspective and I was really angry about it. Mm -hmm. And so but I kept trying to justify it by saying, well, the things that I want to talk to her about now and the things I want to pick up the phone or pull up and say I wouldn't have had she been here because my life would be different. Mm -hmm. So I kept trying to justify it with that. And my therapist was like, you're doing yourself such a disservice Mm -hmm. by justifying it. Just sit with your first initial thought. You're angry. Mm -hmm. Let's process that. Your needs then are different than your needs now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right. And so I detach myself a lot of times from the experience. And that would be my process to like move on. Because I do know one thing about it. When you know you have purpose and you activate your purpose in a way, you can't waddle and stay in it for so long. And you have to have a good village around you who's like gives you that space yeah. to mm-hmm. yell, scream, cry, kick, whatever. But then you pick it up and go. Because mm-hmm. in the midst of me having my breakdown, it's a little girl who's in our group who we mentor with who is like trying to get through her first college exam. Yeah, It's another little girl who just moved in her first apartment and it was her mom's birthday. Mm-hmm. And this is like fresh for them. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? So right. it's like, all right, cool. Like. I know my village is there for me to be, have my, my space. And so, um, I think after your mom dies, like building that village too, but to your point, I don't know if this is your experience. It was my experience. You're still apprehensive to help. Yeah. Cause like, if you would have called me and said, big Reese, <laughs> <laughs> now that baby don't like me. But I still would have came and got him and watched him. Right. Right. Now that baby don't like nobody. (laughs) He real. He don't like nobody. And I don't take it personal. Not too much on my side. But we apprehensive to help. You know what I mean? Like you're not like. Because I've been there. Like it's people who be like the Black Achievers Awards. I didn't have a babysitter. Not Mm. always got a babysitter. Mm. I didn't have a babysitter. And I was presenting an award. Mm. So at the last minute, I'm like, I had to figure some things out. And someone gave me an option like, oh, so so, such such could watch him. And I was like, no, it's okay. Mm. But it's like, I know they meant well. Yeah. But I don't want to feel like a burden. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Because then there's like this feeling of, well, this is my child. Mm Mm-hmm. So I need to, I need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. But 
I think that's another thing, like, as a new mom, realizing, like, oh, wait, like, you really can't Mm -hmm. do this all on your Mm -mm. own. Like, you need people Mm -hmm. around you. And that's that's one of my personal struggles anyway, Mm -hmm. like, just allowing people, like, just letting that wall down. down. That Ooh. already was a thing. Ooh, before the grief. Because <laughs> that was already a thing. <laughs> I think that was my thing before, too. <laughs> that was already a thing. So I worked on that, but then it was like, okay, now... It's not in a new way. In a new way. And yeah. it's not that I'm trying to look like I have it together. It's just like, okay, no, like, this is my baby. I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. But no, you actually need to rely on people mm-hmm. sometimes. And I think you learn that in motherhood so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Kira. <laughs> Kira's such a baddie. I'm really not, though. You no, really is. That. That's y'all. Is. We just talked That's about y'all. not putting ourselves down because I say that I look like Lil Bill sometimes. <laughs> but you really don't. <laughs> sometimes with my haircut. But listen, I look like OB, ODB without this wig. So period. Like, I don't care. Let me tell you. And they love it here. <laughs> but, <laughs> and they know who they are. But, um, you are so beautiful as a person. Oh, damn. Like, like you don't meet many people whose souls are, like, genuine and pure. And, like, I really am working in my journey on Christ and being gentle. Because to your point about being guarded, it gets to a point where I am in the safest place of my life that I have ever mm. been. And God is like, now I'm going to put everything on you. Because you could take off the layers mm-hmm. and you find refuge in me. Mm-hmm. So you, you could t- you don't have to put up the safety mechanisms or right. you don't have to be like, you can be vulnerable in a new way. You can be gentle in a new way. Right. And I now desire, like my heart is like, I want to be gen- gen- um, gentle. I've always been genuine, but I want to be gentle. Like, I just want to be like sweet. I'm not. I'm walking the door like, what's up? Like, you know. <laughs> and so, like, you just exude, like, your heart posture is just like, I want to serve. I want to help. I want to be. A light. Yeah, you just a light. You just curious. But that's how I feel about y'all. Like, no, seriously. Like, with the moment I met her, I was like. And I didn't even know they oh knew each other. Like, literally, we met one time. I was like, oh, my yeah, God, I did. love her. Yeah. And then, like, my coworkers, like, I love her, too. And then I saw her at your birthday, and I was like. Oh, like love, but yeah. um, I want to just affirm something for you real quick. I, you know, it's interesting because how I see myself or how you might see yourself is not the way like I yeah, would yeah, actually, right. but I see you as all of those things, you oh, know, and, you know, I just want to say this out loud and I know we'll get into it, but, you know, you've been a really big part of my healing and grief journey, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'll let you, I, I just, you know, I don't want to cry now. I'll I'll cry later. Like I said, I'll cry in my car, but, um, (laughs) you know, I just wanted to affirm that. So I think you do, your heart posture is very big and very bright too, because I want to be honest, you know, I think God or, you know, however, you know, your higher power, you know, we believe in God over here. Same, 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 (laughs) same, you know, I just, you know, I think about everybody and I think about, you know, God, placed you in my life for a very particular reason. And, you know, I remember when everything first happened, I was just, I was like, I couldn't think, right? Like you just, I just couldn't think. I was like in shock. I think I was just trying to focus on, I remember going home and just like 
let me just fix things. Like that's mm -hmm. my mm -hmm. way of coping um, because I, I've never been good at processing grief mm. um, because folks around me were would grieve so hard. And I was always in my family, a, a peacemaker. I was the, no, let's, let's be happy mm -hmm. and sing. And I had to learn multiple times throughout my life. That's, that's not reality. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you're going to have to face really, really hard things. Right. And I was really good at compartmentalizing. I was really good at um, disassociating, you know, like, oh, that happened. Oh, my gosh. But this was something I couldn't, I, I could not. It was reality. It was, it, was re it was a hard, like, gut punch. And I remember you, like, saying, hey, sis, I haven't heard from you. Are you okay? And I just want to let you know that meant the world to me because um, when you – go through loss and you know when you navigate through grief even though you you may have a village because I don't want to speak for I have to speak I just mm -hmm. use my eye statement because not everyone has a village which is so unfortunate mm -hmm. you know I'm glad you you know brought up the concept you know with this beautiful queen here about have the importance of having a strong village especially when you have loss mm -hmm. especially mom loss I, I could not imagine right um that magnitude and then welcoming new life and then there's death right and at the intersection of life and death there's there's faith and so I was at the precipice of both. And so um, I just remember you just reaching out, just like something told you, like the spirit said. And this happened multiple times. Like folks that, you know, I talked to and just was like, yo, sis, where you at? Are you okay? And I'm going to be honest, that was the hardest. There, there were times where I just looked at my phone and was like, I don't know how to respond. You know, I don't know what to say. What do I, what do I say? Um you know, to, to the people who have, you know, been so supportive and just loving and doting, you know, this was, you know, I've had loss, um, before, but this was different. This, I can't, I can't even, there's, there's a word in, um, Portuguese called sudades, sudad, and it literally translates to, it's, it's the feeling of grief of loss. There's no word because there's no real word for it. So there's no literal translation for sudad. And it's one of my favorite um, words because it, there's no exact root for it. There's no like outside of grief and loss and the magnitude of it because you can't describe it. And, you know, I'll, I'll tell you a story you mentioned about gender and, and, mm -hmm. a, and a girl. Uh, if I'm jumping, please tell mm -hmm. me no. Jumping, but, um, you know, I remember... You know, I, I come from East Harlem, New York. If anybody knows anybody about city kids, you know, some some of us are really like, you know, we just, I'm a 9-11 baby, so I'll be like, yeah, everything is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, your guard is up, but, you know, I was always a very sensitive child. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, dote, I always doted on little animals, small animals. I was the one that picked up ants and all types of foolishness. Um, you know, foolish. I was an aunt, very young. <laughs> I was very full of very weird child. I love bugs. Um, but I love living things, right? Mm -hmm. I like to steward, steward things, which was interesting because, um, my mom wasn't a nurse. She's not, a, she's a nurturer in the sense that she's going to make sure you're fed, you're yep, clothed. Yep, yep, yep. You That's me. Needs are met, you know what your I'm saying? Your needs going to be met. But she's not a I'm hugger. not going to hug you. Right. She's, I'm getting to it though. Right. And it's, and that's <laughs> where I was, I needed that as a child. Yeah. I was a big hugger. I was a lover. Mm -hmm. I was a, you know, I love you type of person. And my mom wasn't that. So we struggled in that type of form. But we, you know, it, it didn't really come to a head really until, I didn't really realize it, I should say, until I was pregnant. Mm. And what was interesting was I never saw myself as a mom. 
gonna be honest, because of my own trauma, not necessarily directly towards my mom, but I, you know, was I was on at a young age, um, you know, and I, I was like, well, I'm comfortable being the auntie that spoils the kids and hey, get, rich go, go auntie, home. right, right, <laughs> oh, so, getting there, auntie. You still a rich auntie? <laughs> I've been so, around you was, as an auntie, I, I and you spoil your BJ, <laughs> but I spoil kids, you know, like because uh-huh. I love, I, I feel like. I don't like to call it spoiling even. I just like to call it like blessing kids because that's what that's what people did for me. Like mm-hmm. my village, I had a, my aunt, you know, shout out to my aunt Lorraine, my aunt Rosa, my aunt, aunt Linda. They taught me different forms of womanhood and like where my where I needed that. I love you, girl. My aunties had that, you know, where I needed that fashion, fashionista. My aunt Linda had, you know, that that was, you know, that's where I got those different types of things. So I had a strong village. My grandmother, Nana, um, um, and aunt, you know, excuse me, my Nana and my um, uh, abuelita Alice. So it was like it was all encompassing. But you never. It's interesting. Um, I didn't know I wanted to become a mother until I became one. Mm-hmm. I found out I was pregnant. Um, a week after May 14th, mm. um, and if any, actually 11 days after May 14th, because I found out the day of Uvalde, and that was the um, tragic, you know, mass shooting where 21 mm-hmm. Samad kids lost their life. And I remember talking to my husband, Paulie, and I was, I, that was like one, like I broke down sobbing because I was like, what type of world am I going to bring this child up in? Like, I, this is scary. You know, like we just had May 14th. Out of you know, my dear friend lost his mother. He mm-hmm. lost his mother in that. And then mm-hmm. you know, fast forward, it's just like loss everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just loss. I had a friend who lost a baby. You know, it was just. And then my my god sister died. It was just a lot of loss last year. And so carrying life, I was petrified out of my mind. I was terrified. And so you know, me and my husband did all the things. Um, you know, we made sure that you know, I, at, as soon as I found out. I mean, not that I was a, no, I was a terrible eater. I ate all types of garbage (laughs) Mm -hmm. and fast food. But then I was like, nope, we got to do this. No, I was that type of, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know Mm -hmm. if you went through that during your first, Mm -hmm. you like, no, no hot lunch meat, no lunch meat, no nothing, no, no (laughs) soda pop, no nothing. You know, like I went full AWOL, you know, everything. And then I started getting really, really sick. And so what was interesting was I saw how, my mom wanted to really, I think, support me like in that in that motherly way. But she just she was fight like it, it was something within her that was a was a struggle. And, you know, she did. She was don't get she was there. Like if I need food, you know, like cook, clean, like any all of that. And I just think that. But for her, the emotional part of it was hard because you got to watch your child be sick while she's carrying life. And so um, it was a lot of challenges. I wasn't really honest with myself as how sick I was. Mm. I ended up having to change, you know, medical racism is real, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately. And I ended up having to change OBs. um, And unfortunately, you know, I had a fibroid and the fibroid grew so big. I went from two centimeters to 15 Mm -hmm. by the time I lost my son. And it was kind of funny because... One day I went to work. People was like, oh, my God, are you having twins? Like, what's going on? And I was like, no, it was one, you know. And I was like, what is wrong? And, um, you know, through it all, I really got to give a glow to my husband 
you know, shout out to Paul. I really Paul do is a real one. He he really is like he read he bought all of these daddy books. Like okay, swiping through like okay, this is this is what to expect. But there was nothing to prepare us for what Lost. was what right. was to come. Yeah, and so we didn't want to think that way. And I remember having this very strange dream a week before I lost Kylo. Um, and it was one of those dreams. And you know, when you're pregnant. Uh, you you have all types of dreams, you know, like you, you you may you may have all types of dreams, and I remember this dream vividly because I saw what he looked like, but I couldn't tell how he felt. Like he was in my arms, but I couldn't feel him. But I saw exactly how he looked. He was gorgeous, and something. Then it was just like darkness happened, and I woke up in a cold sweat, panicking. And I remember just telling Paul. If something happens to me, save him. That was the first thing mm. that came out of my mouth. I was like, if something happens to me, save save him. Save, I don't care what happens. And Paul's like, oh my God, like, what did you eat? Like, what yeah. did you watch? I'm like, no, nothing. <laughs> like, I, I just have this weird feeling, mm -hmm. right? And a mother knows, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, September 14th, which is your mom's mm -hmm. anniversary. And I, I, I realized that, you know, September 14th, I was in the hospital for the last two weeks. I was really sick. Um, so the fibroid went through a process called red degeneration, which is a process where the fibroid starts to break down mm -hmm. and it attacks itself. So it's like it's taking blood, taking nutrients, but there's a baby in there taking nutrients. So it's like one or the other. Um, you know, I won't, I'll spare the details because it's pretty, you know, and, intense. And most importantly, it's still a healing journey for you. It's only sure. been a year. So for don't sure. feel like you don't have to disclose anything. You don't want to. I appreciate you, sis. You know, I will say, though, my birth story was very traumatic. Um, and I didn't know I was laboring. Mm. Um, and he lived and died at home. It was, you know, I, th I will never forget the look on my mom's face. Because it's like she watched her daughter almost lose her life, give birth to her grandson on her floor um and it was nothing she could do or well, my husband because I was I couldn't move I got just came home from the hospital I was in so much pain I couldn't even walk up the stairs we own a multi so I live on we live on the second floor he lives on the bottom so I stayed with my mom you know and it was just he I just will never forget that scream you know my husband as a man like I can't help my wife mm -hmm. you know or my son and I remember when we found out he was a boy, I was elated. I felt that same type of maybe like, oh, man, I'm going to bring a son into this world. I'm, not, I'm doting over boys anyway. Like, I'm doting over all kids. I love all kids, but boys hold a special place in my Nothing heart. Nothing like being a boy, mom. It is, right? And I, and I was a rough and tumble girl. I love football. Yeah. I love soccer. I love hockey. I love all of that sports stuff. I love getting dirty. Not to say that girls can't do that, but, mm -hmm. you know, it was just something... And I watch how my, my, my sister's sons, my nephews, just doted over them and my godson. So that's where it, it was like when I lost him, it was like I've, that, that was one of the times where I can honestly say I didn't know if I was coming or going. Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Mm -hmm. It was like all I remember was getting to the hospital. I had to have an emergency surgery. Um, they say my life <laughs> first time. And then six weeks later, I had to have the fibroid out because, um, my kidneys were failing. It was just, it was, it was just bad. And 
all I kept remembering was, you know, I I spoke to God because the surgery was supposed to go a whole different way. Mm. They was going to take my uterus um, because it was that bad. It was the fibroid was too big. And, you know, shout out to Dr. Nde Diallo. I don't know where the camera is. I won't say that in the camera. Um, and Shayna Barton, who was my doula. Those women saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, black women. And um, I never, when you talk about the village, your village comes in so many different forms. Yeah. You know, this black woman said, I come hella high water, you will have a child. We will, we will, we will get through this together. It, it wasn't like, um, she was a sister girl doctor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, um, I was so thankful for them because they spared my fertility, you know, but I remember before going to surgery, I'm a clown. I'm a big clown. I'm a big clown. It's my way of, you know, not really feeling certain mm-hmm. things. My therapist get on me too. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I remember Paul was just out of it. You know, he's like, I don't want to lose my wife. I can't, I can't, Kara, I can't lose you. I, I don't know what I would do. And I was like, Paul, whether I, there's a verse in the Bible, and I, that's why I need to go to church. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm not opposed to, to being checked. <laughs> I'm not opposed to being checked. I'm coming to the rock. I'm coming, I'm coming to be saved. You know? But there's a verse that, you know, it's a song. And it says, it, it was all right with my soul. Mm-hmm. It's all right with my soul. And I felt that. Like, I felt this like this sharp Peace. pain in my chest. Peace. Because yeah. I said, whether this surgery, I had gone through a lot of surgery. I lost a lot of blood. I said, no matter what happens, it's all right with me. Whether, mm-hmm. I said, whether I'm here or I'm with my father, mm-hmm. my maker, mm-hmm. you know, back home, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. And I've never felt that way before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but I deep down, I knew I was going to make that, mm-hmm. sur- make it out of that surgery. I made it out of surgery. I made it out with my uterus, mm-hmm. with my fertility. I healed six months earlier mm-hmm. than I was supposed to. Um, but I'd be lying. And now that we passed the one year, I'd be lying if I didn't say it, it wasn't a struggle. Um, you know, I I had to dig really deep within myself because one of the things that I learned is when you go through a traumatic loss, it brings up other forms of grief yeah, yeah. that I didn't even know existed, I was, existed mm-hmm. or was dealing with. I still realize I didn't heal from the loss of my grandparents. Mm-hmm. Um, I went through a really traumatic situation. I'm um, a former employer. I was still grieving Pat. Mm-hmm. You know, I was grieving, you know, so many different losses mm-hmm. that I just didn't think were affecting me. I just like, man, screw it and move on. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, I couldn't, I had to, it was all hit me at one time. And then, you know, with me and my mom, it was more of, I just, I just need a hug. Mm-hmm. I just need a hug. And now you were able to articulate that. Yeah. I think, mm-hmm. um, I had to wait a long time. You know, my therapist, you know, she's an amazing black woman and mm-hmm. well We have the same therapist. Probably. Her name Nicole. 
Jasmine. Oh. Shout out Jasmine Thorpe. Jasmine Thorpe. Jasmine Thorpe. Jasmine Thorpe. Therapy. Jasmine Thorpe. 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 Jasmine Lord knows I am. And so, you know, she described grief to me like a boulder. Grief is like a big boulder, a big rock, and it's hard and it's solid. And when you first go through something, that rock is, it feels like it's on your chest. But you have a village of people that have sandpaper. Some of them have tough grit, 40 grit. Sand, I'm a, I love working with, with tools. So you have tough sand, sand grip paper. They're doing it by hand. Somebody's on the other side shaving it down with a big old tool. And, they, and, you, and you're doing it too. You're doing the work. But, and then eventually what starts to happen, that boulder gets smaller and smaller, mm -hmm. but it never goes away. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not on your chest, but maybe it's, you can hold it now. Mm -hmm. So what she was essentially saying was you navigate as you develop. You never get over grief. You never get under it. You have to go kind of mm -hmm. go through it. And you have to lean in on your community and your village to be able to shave it, help you shave it down. But you have to do the, the inner work, too. So when we talk about purpose. We talk about um, activating purpose that's already there and sharpening it. Or we talk about birthing something. And so I truly believe, I think this in general, and I know you can speak on this, like women, when you have a baby, you birth something spiritually too. It's not mm -hmm. even just the natural, natural, tangible, yes, the baby, but there is something to birth. But for you, I feel like the purpose was already in you to do to the books, to do the writing. And so now to honor the legacy of our baby, you created a book drive and people can donate. And so tell us more. Thank you. So first off, thank you for that. And I love that you say our baby because mm -hmm. he really is like, I feel like everyone's baby. Um, so, you know, I started Native Pens Collaborative Publishing LLC back in 2019. It's actually the 26th would make five, 19, 20, four years. It's going to be five. I'm going to do something big for the fifth year. But um, the first book that come out to come out of that was You Go Girl. And the reason why I started Native Pens is actually the the, the company is a play off of um, Native Tongues, which was my favorite rap collaborative, um, comprised of like Queen Latifah mm -hmm. and, you know, De La Soul, you know, um, all of these great ly lyricists. And the reason why I wanted it to be Native Pens, because one of the things about Native Tongues was that they were so rooted in culture. Um, you know, I worked in, you know, worked, worked, worked in and around education for a couple of years. And one of the things that always troubled me was that there wasn't access, not that there wasn't, but there wasn't access to culturally relevant literature. And like, you know, either you have a character who's a, a black protagonist who's written by a non-person, like a non-POC or non-BIPOC person, or you have like, like, you know, authors of color who don't get that same type of like shine and, and light. So I said, you know, it actually started as a way for me to write books um, and tell the stories that I wanted to tell about my community and culture from a level of authenticity. But then I said, you know what, there's other people out there who want to tell their stories too and might need some assistance. So I started doing some coaching, book coaching on the side, um, some ghostwriting to help, you know, some folks get like, you know, get started on that. And it's been, you know, it's been a blessing. But, um, you know, first book was You Go Girl and then Peace King. And I'll tell you, Peace King was actually 
it was a little bit more, it was harder to write because again, I identify as a woman, I identify as, you know, as a girl and I knew like exactly. So you go girl, I, I ain't going to fry. I wrote that on a bus. Like I was on my way to New York city, uh, for, I can't remember what, four years ago. And I was literally like, Ooh, here's a story. Let me write it out. Like I'm a, I, like, I always keep a notepad everywhere I go. I always keep a notepad to write a story. So I wrote it out and then peace King, I was a little bit more intentional because, um, I had, I have nephews, I have godsons, um, you know, your kids and my kids, you know what I'm saying? Like I always say that the village kids, you know, those are, we all have to steward everyone's children, um, in the village. And, um, I wanted to really write if I were writing to my son, like my future son. And so when Peace King actually was done months before I was pregnant. It was actually done um, the year before, so that would have been 21. But something was like, this ain't the time to publish it, give it some time, you know. Then I got pregnant, and then I lost Kylo. And then after I had my second surgery, I was like, oh yeah, I, I gotta get this book out. Like, I don't have the time. There's children out here who need these words. Um, but I would be lying to you if I didn't say that was that was the hardest book to publish. That was the hardest one. Um, but I'm glad I did because it was my way. So I switched some things at the last minute. I called my illustrator. You know, she had been on my pregnancy journey. Like I didn't I didn't really tell folks until my third month. Um, because I was so scared. And so, like, you know, breaking that news to her, you know, she called me immediately and She's on, she's in Thailand. I've been working with her for years. She called me sobbing and, you know, we're crying on the other side of the world together. Like, it was just like, you know, and she was like, I got something for you. So she actually in Peace King, there's an image in there of a, of a mother with an Afro holding a baby. And, and she said, I want that to be reminiscent of, you know, black motherhood. This is a non-black woman. Right. And, but she said, I, I, I researched this. I really want this to be you know, reminiscent of black, black motherhood. And so it was a, supposed to be a depiction of me holding Kylo. And I don't tell people that cause it's so hard to even conceptualize. Um, so that was one, you know, one part of it, but then I'll tell you baby past the peas. Um, I actually wrote that book while I was, um, in the hospital. So I remember, um, and I, and I want to shout out children's hospital because, I know. Oshai Foundation. Oshai Foundation. <laughs> Oshai Children's Hospital. Um, you know, the Oshai Children's Hospital really um, took really good care of me. And, um, you know, and I'm getting to the drive in this particular book right here. I don't know if you can see it, but this particular book and why this book, why this book actually, you know, spurred the um, book drive. And so um, I remember after my surgery, I had to stay in the hospital a couple of days. I, you know, my mind was just like everywhere. I was just like so sad. And I was yearning for my, my grandmothers. I lost both of my grandmothers. One when I was in, finished literally at the right when I finished my master's program. So like two months after I finished my master's program, I lost my grandmother, uh, 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 Lita, uh, Grandma Alice. And then I lost my Nana right before I went to college. So it was interesting, like how their losses, you know, happen and when they happen, but these, these women were old school grandmas. Like they were, mm -hmm. like you said, like the, 
they were not TikTok grandmas. You know, they were not Bernice Burgos mm-hmm. grandmas. I, those are great grandmas. So trust me, they're beautiful grandmas. Fine. They're beautiful grandmas. <laughs> I hope to look like a Bernice Burgos one day, you know, and have that type of strength and be like, really, Emma. But, you know, my grandmas were old, you know, Puerto Rican, Boricua, and Southern black grandmas. They wore moomoos. They wore moomoos. The bills was paid. <laughs> you know, they they wasn't playing, you know, with the mess. You know, they had a strict. They were and strict. they fried chicken in a bag. In a bag with salt and pepper. And it was, <laughs> I'm telling you, like vibes. You know, and I learned to cook from these women. So black women from that time didn't measure jack. You understand? Mm-hmm. Like nothing. It was, no. and you had to figure it out. So I was, I was a very observant kid. I stayed in the kitchen. And so I remember this uh, older nurse, her name is Betty. Um, Betty came in and she smelled so good. She smelled like peach cobbler. And I was like starving. I really couldn't eat certain things. So I was like, ooh, this is the story right here. So I was talking to her. We talked, you know, the nurses were great. And we. she talked about how, you know, when you get out of this on the other side, you got to eat good, you know, make sure you get, you know, eat all the Southern food, eat all the good soul food and, you know, whatever you want to eat. And so I... You know, call Paul. I was like, yo, where's my notebook? Like, I need my notebook. He was like, oh, it's in your bag. I asked the nurse to get it. And I just started writing Baby Pass the Peas. And one of the things about my books that I try to continue to do as I write, they're all rhyme scheme books. Um, you know, there's 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 Jilton rhyming. There's, you know, A-A-V-E in my books. You know, I say things like talk, you know, like talk, talking and all of that stuff, you know, because those are things that were, when I thought about, having a child, I wanted them to walk into their greatness as they were. I didn't want them to perform. I didn't want them to feel like they couldn't show up as authentically as as themselves. And so I said, I have to write my stories the same way. Um, And so that's what birthed this company. And, you know, the book drive actually came about because when I was in the hospital, um, whenever you have a loss, a bereavement, a bereavement loss, they call it, um, or perinatal loss. That's what I had. Stillbirth. Um, Children's Hospital gives you um, a bereavement box, and inside the box are your baby's footprints. There, um, uh, you know, like like a life certificate, a life and death certificate, blankets, you know, little things. But they always put a book in there. And so this other woman start, started a foundation um, after she lost her son that gave like a comforting book. And so this book was called You Are My I Love You by Marianne Kumaso Love. And um, it's such a beautiful book. And, you know, um, my husband uh, got to read it to Kylo um, as well as Peace King. Actually, Kylo was the first one ever here in the spiritual sense, Peace King before anybody else. So, um you know, this book really does mean a lot to me for so many different reasons. Um, and it's in his memorial chest. We have it on his mantle. And um, I said, you know what? I want to give back to the place that gave me so much when I had nothing, when I felt I lost everything. Like I said, I give up my car, my house, whatever worldly possession I have, if it meant he was still here. Mm-hmm. And because that's not the case, I I, I believe in the saying, um, too much has been given, much is required. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, that, you know, shout out to Crystal. Um, Crystal, Miss Crystal was my upper bound director in um, East Harlem, New York. So shout out to Boys and Girls Harbor. And she always ingrained that in us. So that's why, you know, I went to a service oriented high school. So that service was my, my core. So writing is a way to give back in the, you know, I think the educational sense, but 
this project is to give back just in general. So what we started to do was I partnered with Alice Ever After Books. If you're not familiar, mm-hmm. we love Alice Ever After. We do. Megan Go shop Howe. there. Yo, shout out to shout out to Megan Howe. Um, Megan is different, man. Like Megan, you know, actually was a teacher um, taught in, you know, urban education settings. And she said, you know what? I want to create a bookstore. That's a community bookstore. And if you walk in that bookstore, you will find every single representation mm-hmm. of a child of a family. Um, she has books for all, all walks of life. And she's very intentional. Like I put her up against any library and she'll knock them out the park. Mm-hmm. And so she's been a big part of my healing journey, um, you know, in so many different ways. And I went to her and I was like, Hey, I want to do a book drive. But the way the book drive works is if you buy a book, right, you go there, the books have to be new because um, of OSHAI health regulations. We're in a still post COVID, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, you know, and so all the books have to be new. But shout out to our newest Mastin uh, councilwoman, mm-hmm. um, Ms. Zanetta Everhart, the one of my the love, very much love of my life. Um, we love you, girl. We love you, Zanetta. And thank you, Zanetta, for all you do. Um, she's a real queen. I remember after May 14th, um, you know, her and her amazing son, her, he's a hero, started um, Zanetta and Zaire's book club. So my book, um, Desiree Williams' book, who's amazing. She writes the Brilliant Brown Baby series. That's mm-hmm. like one of my favorite series of books. I love her books. Um, got p- picked up in, you know, Zanetta and Zaire's book club. And, you know, we were, you know, got to promote it, you know, make sure. And so I reached out to her just, you know, as like, hey, Zanetta, I was just asking her, like, hey, do you want to promote this and pick some books from the book club? Because mm-hmm. then she has a great selection of books. She was like, I will give you books. And I will match. So however many books you, you raise, I will match a book. Mm. And I literally broke down in tears. I was like, are you serious? Like, are you going to do that? Like, talk about a village and a community yeah. of loving, like, people who just come together. So there's so many ways you could donate. Just first and foremost, all of the proceeds. This is separate than the Oshai um, mm-hmm. Children's Foundation. I learned that the hard way. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, like, that, like really the children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to shout out Claire from the uh, from the children's hospital. She's been absolutely amazing to work with. Um, as soon as I emailed them, they were like, we got you. So you could donate, of course. Um, you could go to um, um, Alice Ever After Books. You could purchase a book there. I highly encourage it. It's right across the street from the zoo, mm-hmm. which is a great you go on a trip, go to zoo, and get you, you know, get you some books. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could order off of bookshop.org. Um, I could send the links out, uh, you know, um, ahead of time, and I'll make sure you get that. There's a ton of books on there. They were uh, curated, especially with a couple of different authors. Um, there's books, you know, for members of the Jewish community. There's books that celebrate Diwali. There's books that celebrate, um, you know, Kwanzaa. There's books that celebrate everything. As you can see here on this table, we have books that are centering on um, children of color characters. Um, that was really intentional and really important. Um, Oshai Children's Hospital not only services Erie County, but also Niagara County, as mm-hmm. well as Genesee, which is Rochester. So we had to think about the diverse array of people that these books are going to go to. So if we have a baby who is born, um, you know, Hindi, there is a book for that baby when they are welcomed into this world. And it's really to increase literacy access to. Unfortunately, um, in a lot of major cities, if you look at Buffalo being one of the most racially segregated, also the, in terms of not only race, but also socioeconomics, mm-hmm. access to books is not a thing. And I also want to just, this is a shame, not, not, I'm not ashamed. This is not a shameless book, but this is a plug. I want to shout out Jillian Hainsworth too, because the work that she's doing with yeah. the libraries and the book club, I got to work with her on that. That, that, that's my sister. I, 
I, I will. And Black Boys Can Read Too. Black Boys Read mm-hmm. Too. Those are my girl. You know, shout out to those queens. Like, everyone who is doing stuff on the ground for education and literacy for our children, thank you. If I did not name you, I, I just want to say thank you because it really does make a difference. A child's traje- life trajectory is really um, determined by education, mm-hmm. particularly literacy. Literacy is the anchor for everything. You could be good at math, you could be good at science, but if you cannot read, you will not succeed. That is not to be corny, that is just the truth. But let me say, shout out to Read to Succeed too. I am a proud proud board member. (laughs) Proud board member of Read to Succeed. Period. And the amazing, incredible work that we are doing over there. Um, And I even thinking about the Oshai Foundation, Mm -hmm. like they do a lot in terms of health equity. Yes. And just yes. racial equity and thinking about the climate and where we live and where, you know, there's not a lot of foundations who do real work. There's a lot of foundations who act like they do the work, but there's not a lot of foundations who do the real work to, to really impact our community. And that's why, like, like to that point, Shy, I will always fight for Oshai. Yeah. You know, you know, they really, you know, the hospital, especially like I remember the doctors, they grieved with us. Like, you know, like it wasn't just like, oh, well, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. It was you know, this, we, we hate that this happened and we are here for you. Like, and it came from a place of authenticity. I felt so, so safe there, uh, you know, and, and again, in the midst of everything. So, you know, the book drive is going to go until the 31st. So Halloween, um, you know, we're just on a run now, a tour or just like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And the response has been really great. Like this one woman from, um, She's originally from Japan, but she lives in Boston, found out about it through someone else who shared it. And um, she's also a lost mom. Um, and she reached out to me, donated like 20 books and oh. just, you know, just said, hey, I, I understand. I get it. And so I'm just want to say thank you, you know, to everyone who has donated, um, even if it's just a share, because I know it's, it's rough out here. You know, inflation is real. Um, so yes. anything that anyone can, you know, a tomato is like $20 now. I can't believe it. But, you know, anything that anyone can give, like even if I know. <laughs> they are. I'm, I'm so tired of grab buying groceries. But the fact that po- folks are really digging into their budget to like support this cause. Shy <laughs> tired of me, man. I'm holding what I gotta say. say My it. girl said tomatoes is twenty dollars. I want to eat right, but because she's not lying. The yeah, better get to growing. <laughs> Burger King be Burger Kinging right now because I can afford. No, I'm just kidding, but you don't know. No, for, for for seriousness, you know, I'm. I just well, I'm just grateful. in that case. <laughs> shout out to Pete Buffalo. <laughs> yes, for all incredible work that she is doing, Drea. We love you, Drea. Oh, is a huge I, supporter for grieving daughters. I love. Dre Dinner. Um, yes. I went to her beautiful uh the requiem of death uh-huh. of reimagining black death. Just absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Um, but th- like I have to I just want to say, you know, thank you to everyone who has supported me on this journey. Um, you know, like I said, I have a responsibility now to give back. Um, and I want to also affirm one more person too. Um, her name is Corinne Jackson. Uh, she's my best friend. She's also a lost mom. Mm. And she's also a big part of the reason why I'm still here today. Mm. Um, because again, you know, I, there was days where I would wake up like, I'm great. I'm good. 
I wasn't. And it smack you right like, in the middle of the day. Last night, I was watching. I love, like I said, I'm an animal person. I love Shark Week. I'm a nerd. I will watch all that <laughs> foolishness. And then, um, you know, there was one, a, a, there was a black woman and she was on vacation and the dolphin, she got to do the dolphin excursion. And um, she was very, she wasn't pregnant, but she was breastfeeding. So the dolphin kept like signaling, no, no. And that's, the dolphin's way of saying this person is a vulnerable person. Mm. I don't want to harm them. And he kept nuzzling her stomach. And when I was pregnant, I had that same experience. I went to, I was uh, four months, three months pregnant, no, four months pregnant in, in the Dominican um, with my best friend. We were there for her birthday and we did the dolphin excursion. And I never forget my dolphin, Chuga, her name was Chuga, which I think was like pork chop, as <laughs> it translates to pork <laughs> chop. But she kept, um, circling my stomach mm -hmm. and she was like nuzzling my stomach come to find out chuga just had a baby oh, wow. she had a pup and so i literally just i was having a great day and i just burst into tears because it just remind it, mm -hmm. it reminded me so you know i think at this juncture you know where i'm at in my journey i'm still on it very much on that journey very fresh you know people see you and they're like oh you you're doing so well i'm like i'm a mess man like i'm still trying to figure out you know, my life, but I know with this book drive, it was a way to one, give back to the community, um, give back to the babies who are physically here on this earth, because, you know, again, um, my son's in heaven. And I, I want to ensure that for the kids who are here, physically here, that they have access to, you know, they start their journey with a book. You know, my son's journey ended with a book. I want babies to begin their journey with a book. And so, um, you know, it's a life's calling. I know God has his hand on me. He hasn't let go yet. Um, and I'm grateful for that. I really am. Yeah, that's it. He got his hand on us. Because, boy, this journey is ghetto. <laughs> and if you ain't doing it with God, <laughs> Jesus, to be specific, um, I pray you choose to. Because I could not have done it. Like I, I literally, man. Um, and so we wrapping up, but one word I always say, you know, what's one thing you, your mom taught you that you want to tell somebody else. So just one thing, one sentence, one thing, cause that's your way of giving what she gave you to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Okay, one thing, my mom was big on words, and she taught me to always be mindful of what you say, because you can never take it back, mm. and that has stuck with me my whole life, you know, in good and bad ways, because maybe sometimes I was a little that. quiet, <laughs> but also, it's the truth. Know, like it I think it helps you to be mindful of just others in general completely and, and operating out of emotional intelligence yeah like a wise woman builds up say, her home right be mindful of what you say you cannot take it back so be careful with your words because they have power you want to be mindful like she wouldn't let us say things like uh you're stupid mm -hmm. or you know, she would never let us say stuff like that we would get in trouble for that because don't say that over yourself, mm. you know? Um, so I grew up with that, and I think that's something. That's a good thing to take out. Well, 
Y'all, this is this is probably my favorite episode yet. <laughs> Don't let my son hear that though. <laughs> Peace King is the book we were referencing. Um, and I want y'all to donate the book drive. Thank That's you. Beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so ladies. Thank you. Thank I'm you, so ladies. Oh. This is what beauty looks like. <laughs> no, I'm so happy for her. She's a really a dope person, oh. man. And so are you, Shy. Like, so are you. Thank you. Oh. And I ain't cry. That's why I was having a good day. Because I would have been in here balling. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to cry. But just know seriously, like what you're doing. I've been you know, I've been following you for a while, sis. I see. I saw you at the dome. I'm and saying so, you follow me. We in like we doing life together. I know, but I you know what I mean. That. Like I be following you. Like girl, just do life with me. I do. Well, I've been doing life with you for a while. You right. You right. I appreciate that check, and you know I appreciate everything you do in this community. Like this place is a better place because of you. You know and what you're doing for grieving daughters is just remarkable. So yes, oof, it needed. It's needed. And cut, because I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> get it, get it on camera now. Uh, 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 uh. Look, she's like, I'm going to fix yourself. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> it's true. You are love shy. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> we love you. Thank you, y'all. Thank you. This is good. This is good. This is Jamil, good. You tired of us? Okay. <laughs> I know. He's like, I want to go home. I was like, I'm like, y'all got me working late. 